Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Is it normal to have a really weird taste in my mouth? Is it normal to have nosebleeds? Why have my nipples become so much darker throughout my pregnancy? Is it normal to have spotting? Is it normal to not want to have a baby? (laughs) Hello and welcome to Is It Normal? The Pregnancy Podcast with me, Jessie Ware. This podcast follows my pregnancy journey and with the help of some absolutely brilliant experts is here to reassure and inform you about all aspects of pregnancy and then giving birth. We're now at weeks 18 to 20. What what am I now? I am, I'm about to be 20 on Sunday, so I'm a few days away from being 20 weeks. So we're well and truly into the second trimester. I hope you've all been feeling all right. I hope the sickness has maybe subsided by now. And uh, maybe you're just ticking along nicely. Maybe you're not. We're here to help. This episode will focus on our mental health during pregnancy. And I'll be joined by Laura Bridal, a midwife who specialises in perinatal mental health. But first, I wanted to catch up with our regular midwife, Izzy Borton, who you all know by now. Good to see you again, Izzy. Can I tell you about some of my recent symptoms, babe? Hi, Jessie. Thanks for having me back. Yep, go ahead. So it's not been too bad. The sleeping on the sides, the godsend to discovering that you can sleep on either side and it's not just sleeping on your left side has helped me so much in this third pregnancy. So that's been quite helpful. I finally got a pregnancy pillow, but I know you don't need to have a pregnancy pillow. You can just like shove some pillows between your legs. Can you explain for people that maybe don't have a pregnancy pillow and maybe are struggling in the night to sleep, why it's helpful to maybe have a pregnancy pillow or something in between your legs? Yeah, so it's really common in pregnancy to have some difficulties sleeping or waking frequently in the night. And that can be for a few different reasons. So some people it's it's needing to go to the toilet more often. So you're you're waking for that reason. Um, And then also just the kind of feeling a bit uncomfortable and having to change your position um, whilst you're sleeping. So generally kind of from my experience women have always said they find it more comfortable as you said lying on your side but also having something in between your legs and and that's because of how your pelvis is positioned and obviously when you're lying on your side one knee is then coming down to meet the one that's against the bed so it's it's almost like having a bit of support to keep your pelvis in a comfortable uh, position whilst you're sleeping and some people find having kind of pillows either side of them as well or even kind of sleeping in a slightly more upright position as well so some people have um, heartburn and indigestion and those kind of symptoms and sleeping a little bit more upright in that instance helps as well with that. 
yeah, it is quite normal to get heartburn. And I remember a friend of mine who was pregnant once, she used to have a bottle of Gaviscon on her bedside table because she'd just have it every evening. Exactly. I think it is, it's definitely one of those common pregnancy symptoms. And then the other thing about lying on your side, uh, which I'm not sure if we've mentioned yet or not, is the reason why we recommend it is that when you're lying on your side in pregnancy, it's the best position because it means that all the blood vessels that are running down your back into you know around to oxygenate your baby essentially aren't being compressed at all and if you're lying on your back um, there's more chance of of that happening because as your baby grows there's then more pressure so it's not to kind of scare you if you wake up in the night and you've rolled onto your back don't panic it's fine but just generally try to kind of make sure you're falling asleep on your side and we generally say left side but as you said, Jesse, you know, either side is preferable to being kind of flat on your back. I also, I don't know, is it normal? I've never had this before and I wonder whether it's um, because I'm on my third pregnancy. But I've been getting a recurrent, like, twinge. of. I, first, I thought it was the baby kicking, but it absolutely wasn't because it was way too, like, strong for that. And it was like a twinge, almost like a muscle twinge on my side of my stomach and it's it's kind of recurring so it's always the same place and it's sometimes when I move in a funny way but it's I I've never had that before with any of my other pregnancies but yeah it's it's not too painful it's just a bit of a shock it kind of feels like an elastic band going ping can you help me with that some people experience something called round ligament pain so that's to do with the ligaments that are kind of attached to and supporting the position of the uterus. Um, so sometimes you do get those types of feelings. I would say if you're having kind of anything that's persistent or prolonged, then always, you know, if someone is experiencing that, then it's a good idea to to reach out to your midwife. But it can be round ligament pain that causes those kind of feelings. I mean, apart from that, I actually, I'm feeling all right. I kind of think that I, I don't know if I've got the glow, the second trimester glow, but I'm definitely feeling like my energy is up. Um, I'm exercising. I definitely realised when I kind of took a week, I decided to kind of rest a bit one week um, and I spent quite a lot of time lying down and my hamstring, I mean, my my husband's a personal trainer and he's obsessed about stretching and movement and then sees me watching Shit's Creek in bed and is like, you need to move a bit. And I'm like, I am pregnant <laughs> and you need to back off, okay? And I realised after maybe three days of like chilling out in bed, I mean, I wasn't just chilling out in bed, but you know, I was definitely quite bed bound because it felt like a hugely decadent thing that I could do. I had like a few days off. I was getting really bad back pain, like lower back pain and side back pains, like up my ribs. And it was really painful in the evenings, like when I'd sleep to the point where my husband was having to kind of massage me and put like deep heat on me because I was just like so uncomfortable. Is that quite normal? And maybe should I've just been walking a little bit more and stretching out? I think that's a really good point is, you know, that in the earlier part of pregnancy, like definitely in the first trimester, you're so tired and kind of feeling just completely wiped out and that you do need to rest and you're not really feeling, you know, you've got the nausea, you're not really feeling up to doing much physical activity. But most women find in the second trimester, they get more of that energy back um, or they start to feel a little bit time to time, you know, 
feeling that they could potentially do some exercise um and I think it's also important you know we I always encourage people to be active in pregnancy but that doesn't necessarily mean doing you know really high intensity exercise classes just you know walking every day is really good swimming is really excellent anything that's kind of low impact and you know stretching simple stretches you know we often talk about like oh join a pregnancy yoga class but it it doesn't even have to be you know if that feels intimidating to you it can just be doing some simple kind of basic stretches each day as you say to really help stretch out those muscles and keep yourself just feeling good in your body I am actually funnily enough after being in quite a lot of pain in my back I decided to um, enroll in an online pregnancy class and actually we will be doing an episode where we focus on prenatal yoga and prenatal exercise so go and check that out if you want we have a voice note from a lady called Anya who is 20 weeks pregnant so hopefully you can help her Izzy with her symptoms despite seeing my midwife and feeling good after I there were a few questions that I didn't ask some which I'm just too embarrassed about which is did the bloody steak that I ate at Christmas how likely is it to give my baby taxoplasmosis also why am I still always really tired I thought that symptom went away after the first trimester but I'm napping every day and some really kind of gross ones like why do I have so much discharge every day that I didn't I was a bit embarrassed to ask her about so the questions do live on is this all quite normal at 20 weeks is he yeah so um I would say kind of as a springboard from from Anya's question we can kind of look at some of those three different areas so one is to do with your diet in pregnancy and you know you're you're told in pregnancy or you're advised to generally avoid certain foods and I think it can feel quite um, intimidating and restrictive when you first become pregnant and you're told of all the things you need to avoid and be careful about Um, and I think what um, a lot of the time what what the we're trying you know what your midwife is advising you to avoid is to do with um, then preventing potential kind of foodborne illnesses and things like well food poisoning and things like that so we know that eating undercooked meats and you know raw meat does come with some risk there the absolute risk is still quite low you know it's going to be based on other things such as the freshness of the food you're eating and you know if it's really it's difficult obviously I can't speak on specific um, instances but Generally speaking, it's not that if you eat something, um, you know, that's on that list of avoids, something bad is going to happen. It's just about managing certain kind of risks. And in certain countries, foods that we say to avoid are very normal to eat and people don't avoid them. So I think it's just not making yourself feel guilty for anything in those circumstances if you have eaten something. Sometimes it's without even realising, you know, you've eaten a salad and you didn't know that the type of cheese that was in it was unpasteurised, you know, and you can't... We're just human and you just have to, kind of moving forward, just make your own decisions about those types of kind of risk assessments, really. 
And then the second thing is tiredness. Um, Having just said you might have a bit more energy in the second trimester, I do appreciate that that is very much, you know, not the case for everyone. Some people will really, you know, some women will really find that they are still tired. And I think that depends on lots of things. Like maybe you have other children at home to care for, you're still work, you know, working full time, busy, you know, maybe even, well, at the moment as we're recording homeschooling and things like that. So again, I think be kind to yourself and be easy on yourself. And if you feel like you need to rest, then rest when you can. It's not a sign of there being something wrong, you know, to be tired in pregnancy. It's, it is quite normal. And there will be days where you have more energy and you feel up to going out and getting that walk. And then the final thing with vaginal discharge, it is really common to have increased vaginal discharge in pregnancy. It can be quite dramatically so. I frequently have women and pregnant people telling me that they're they're like, is this normal? Like, it's definitely something that comes up. And I really hope that in future you'll feel able to, you know, anyone would feel able to raise these things with a midwife because it really does not phase us at all. The only thing to kind of look out for is if your discharge has... um, quite a different smell to normal and what you would maybe class as an unusual or offensive smell or if you're feeling quite uncomfortable or itchy down below or it looks again we're going to get graphic here but if the texture of your discharge is more kind of cheesy or sometimes people say like cottage cheese it might be that you have thrush or another kind of vaginal infection or something so also the colour of your discharge, um, so if it's kind of a different colour to normal, it should be kind of creamy white or clear. So if it's green or yellow, it's also a good idea to speak to, to your midwife or doctor um, and they can always offer, you know, just kind of generally assess you and see if, if there's something else going on there. But yeah, please do feel you can speak up about discharge because, it, as you said, it's a really normal bodily function and everyone has it and it's you know something that we all need to kind of feel that we can share so before we go and speak to midwife laura bridal let's find out what is going on with the baby at 18 to 20 weeks izzy what is going on with our baby inside so by 20 weeks your baby generally is going to weigh around 300 grams and be about 25 centimeters long so if we're going by fruit I think that's a probably I'd say about a banana um, in terms of the size um, in terms of maybe the length and often your baby's quite curled up um, still like a banana but obviously weighing a little bit more than that and um, also at this stage um, I think we're going to come on to, to this but you'll be having your 20 week scan or you know it can be between 18 and 22 weeks and at that scan Um, you'll be able to find out the gender of your baby. Something else that's quite amazing is if you're having a baby girl, your your baby's uterus is fully formed and they've developed all of their uh, kind of ovaries and eggs that are inside their ovaries by this point. So your future grandchildren. (laughs) Even as the size of a banana, they have all of their ovaries in there. That's amazing. It is amazing. It is. And something else that you might notice sometimes at these scans, you'll really, you know, you'll be really feeling your baby's movements generally by 20 weeks. Some people, you know, don't panic if you're not still 
it's at that kind of cusp where you might not be feeling them regularly but when you have your scan you'll be seeing those movements on the scan and sometimes as well your your baby's practicing their sucking reflex and they might suck their thumb um, so that can be seen at this point as well and we will have a special episode with Kate Richardson the sonographer um, who was with us at our 12 to 14 week scan talking and focusing about what you should be expecting to see and they're wanting to see at that 20 week scan how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. So now we are joined by Laura Bridal, a midwife who specialises in perinatal mental health care. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. So at what point will you usually get involved with working with a pregnant woman or is it more um, likely that you will be helping them postnatally? Uh, so every trust works slightly differently. Um, where I work in central London, we're very lucky we have a caseload team that supports women with severe mental illness. So they get to see that woman all the way through um, and, and the postnatal period. We also have amazing caseload teams who support women who live within the area. So if they live within our catchment area, they get supported by caseload midwives. But we have a large group of women who come from out of area to our hospital. So I support those women. So I see them through the antenatal period and then if I'm if it's possible I'll be there for the birth but that's my role within with my trust and so I'm really responsible for training and help support the other midwives and other trusts because I am part of a forum in London they work slightly differently so some of those midwives in my role will see women and caseload them as part of their role as well so everybody's slightly differently um, 
but I, f- I, yeah, I feel we're quite spoiled because we have case look care so they get a, a team of midwives and I'm kind of there just to help support if they need it. And uh, so many of these women will be have pre-existing mental health conditions that you will be monitoring and I guess will come up in those initial midwife appointments, what's it called, the booking appointment, where that's when you have that big long chat and so that's when potentially you would be brought on and be helping. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So every woman at their booking appointment will be asked a couple of questions. They're called the woolly questions and the gad too. And they screen women for if they have any current feelings of hopelessness, depression or worrying that they can't quite control. And those are looking for signs and symptoms of depression and anxiety. But they'll also ask about, um, like you said, mental health history. So if a woman has current bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, severe depression or has had previous involvement with a psychiatrist or needed inpatient care, then they'll tend to get supported quite early on. It's even better if we know beforehand, so if they've had really good preconception care, so they've had good support from their GP or their community mental health team. I think there's lots of stigma around mental illness still. So sometimes women are quite nervous to open up that that it's going to involve safeguarding or that the child will be taken away or that they can't be a good mother, which is I'm not going to swear, but it's not true. (laughs) So you don't need to worry about um, that thing. You've got really good support around you and definitely doesn't need to involve safeguarding. It's more important that you are open and honest than than not. And what kind of support do you offer during that pregnancy and postnatal? Will it be lots of conversations? Will it be a form of therapy? Definitely varies from woman to woman. If she has severe mental illness, so the bipolar, schizophrenia, severe depression, needing medication... We're very lucky in England um, and now even Northern Ireland is joining us with some more um, uh, support for parents' mental health teams. So each woman would be assigned to a parents' mental health team if she's in those high-risk area uh, group and she'll have a psychiatrist, psychologist, nursery nurse and they'll support the woman up to one year postnatal. So they'll have that additional support on top of their midwife and then if they are also supported by a caseload team, then they get longer appointments because sometimes when you are in a traditional clinic, you might see a woman you've got 15 minutes, 20 minutes. It's not quite long enough. So with caseload care or in my clinic, I can see women for an hour or even longer if they need it. And that's just to give them time to talk and open up because once you've, you know, checked everything and then it's, you know, how are you feeling? Okay, got to go. That kind of is taken away. And you must see the benefits of that and the kind of success rate and the the help that happens with these women. I need to understand more about postnatal depression because is it quite common for postnatal depression to come on in women that don't have pre-existing mental health issues? Is it quite common in women to get postnatal depression or some varying form of that? I think anxiety is more common than postnatal depression. We just don't talk about it very much. Um, If you have Mm -hmm. depression in pregnancy, so antenatal depression, you're more likely to experience postnatal depression. That's why it's really great to open up to your midwife earlier so we can get you good support to try and combat the symptoms when baby's here. Um, Postnatal depression is about 10 to 13% of women that will suffer with postnatal depression. But I think that that's underestimated because... As midwives, quite often we won't see you when when you start to have these symptoms because we discharge you generally around day 10 to day 15, maximum um, day 30. Mm. So it tends to be the GP that you'll see. Um, and right now, especially, it's even harder, isn't it, to have a GP appointment um, and say how you're feeling. So I think it is underestimated. But it's really, really important to open up to explain how you're feeling because there's lots of great ways to get support. How can a pregnant woman be more aware of their mental health 
if they've never had pre-existing mental health issues during their pregnancy you know there's so many emotions that go around being pregnant and is there any way that they can become more aware is it purely by communicating and talking yeah so I think there's this there's the saying no no health without mental health so we, we all have it um and Becoming pregnant and then becoming a mother is a completely normal change for you to thinking, oh, my God, what have I done? Well, you know, how am I going to cope? No sleep, you know, sore breasts, maybe sore vagina, maybe sore cesarean section. There's all these things that can impact your relationship with your partner. So these are completely normal to feel a bit overwhelmed at times and to have feelings of sadness. These things are completely normal. There are things you can do to help combat the severity of symptoms. So you were talking about earlier about um, exercise. Exercise is so good for our brains. So um, before COVID times, I taught aquanatal classes. So women with mental illness or gestational diabetes came in. We did water aerobics in the pool. And that is really, really good. Running, if you ran before, you can keep running, you know, go to classes. Even just putting music on when you're doing chores around the house. Music is very uplifting. And talking, talking is very good. Um, you know, you, you need a village um, when you have a baby. So making sure you've got good support around you mm-hmm. and don't feel ashamed to talk about it. I think Izzy's already talked to you about the well-being plan. And there's a really good information on there about if you start to have these symptoms, what symptoms are completely normal and what symptoms are starting to be the point where you might need some support. And who would you talk to when you start to have those feelings? So if you couldn't speak to your partner then thinking, could you talk to your mum or could you talk to your friend? And thinking about that ahead of time, I think that's really important. As a personal experience, and I wasn't struggling with mental health or sadness during my pregnancy, but what I found really beneficial was when I'd go to my regular yoga class when that was possible pre-COVID times and the yoga instructor, and I, I went to a few different yoga instructors, but she'd go round the class and we'd all be facing each other and she'd ask everyone to introduce themselves, say how many weeks they are and how they're feeling. And people said all different things, whether it was a physical struggle or an emotional struggle. And I felt like that was really reassuring, that sense of togetherness and groups and communication. Are there any other kind of groups that you I, I I know that NCT is something that you can do later down the line in preparation for having a baby and uh, looking after a baby but are there kind of support groups for women to talk about these things and maybe even uh, you know birth partners absolutely yeah so um, best beginnings have developed some online workshops and therefore women only for partners only and for women and partners together so that's a really good resource to access. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's great. There's, there's some great things that have happened from COVID. Eh, not, some not so good, but it, there's some, been some good things. Um, but <laughs> Pandas is a very good <laughs> charity and they have a Zoom every Thursday from 8 until 10 where women can drop in for support. Where I am in London, we're really lucky. So I haven't really talked about it, but black and brown women are, are much more likely to suffer from um, mental illness. And um, there's lots of reasons behind why there isn't support um, because of stigma, history, but also because the services aren't right for them. So we're really, 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 really lucky that we have a, a charity called Prosperities and they support um, black and South Asian women in South London and um, they do like a buddying system and support. But they've just recently, because this woman's amazing, Chloe, she's nonstop. She's just heaven. I love her. She's also done some funding for yeah. all women to get support for things like birth trauma or um, to get some professional counselling. And 
I think speaking to your midwife in your local area to find out what's happening because I know in Bristol there's Bluebell Care and that's Bristol Bath Devon so there'll be there'll be different services everywhere and then there's specific online support for specific mental illness so things like maternal OCD is around for women who are suffering with anxiety in pregnancy there's um, online support there and then there's also a really good resource called Maternal Journal where I work we have a art psychotherapist so we have art psychotherapy happening for women um but i know not everybody has that and there's this fantastic midwife laura godfrey isaacs from another london hospital um who's developed this online resource and it's got different templates of things that women can do so they can write they can draw they can print make it's got holly mcnish she's done some stuff and she's so cool laura's also very cool laura godfrey Isaacs. but that's free and yeah and women can download that anywhere and it's very it's not just been done by white women for white women. It's very um, multicultural as well. So it's, it's really, it's awesome and it's free. That's so, so helpful. Going back to black and brown women. And I mean, there was a statistic that came out earlier this year about black mothers are four times or five times more likely to die during childbirth. Do you feel like when that statistic came out there's been a reaction to that to try and address it and whether that's to do with I I mean that could be around many different issues but do you feel like people have reacted to that um maybe the NHS to try and resolve that and could that be through more guided help during the pregnancy do you think yeah and postnatal care so the the sad thing is that we've known about this not just since this year this has been ongoing and it's four times more now, but, but it's still, it's too much. Um, so we do need, a, we have a lot of work that needs to happen. The great thing is that Chloe, who I was talking to you about earlier from five um, from Prosperity, is also as part of Five Times More. And th- they've got really good resources on there for women and for staff. The important message is to reassure black and brown women that although the statistics are scary, in, in a relative form, it, it, it's not like you're going to come into hospital and you're, you're going to die. Um, the, the, the relative mm-hmm. risk is still very low, but there are things that we can do to help keep you safe. Um, and there's, there's really good points on there from five times more. And for us as staff, which is really important, thinking about making sure that they've got an ally, that they know that they can speak up. I've I spoken to Izzy about this many times about, you know, the education that we had as midwives is that a lot of the stuff I learned was on white skin, so how to detect a deteriorating patient. Um, so there's been some great work done by uh, Malone in a South um, London medical doctor who's done some great resources called Mind the Gap, where you can find information on how to detect different illnesses and um, on different colours of skin. So that's really good. I think the NHS has to do more, but I think because of wonderful women like Five Times More, Mars Lord, um, and some great work that's happening, that there's really no more excuse. We kind of just have to make them feel safe and let them know that we love them and care them and want them to be okay too. All of these organisations that Laura's mentioned, we will put in the notes of the podcast. um, And thank you. Now I can hear your daughter in the background. Is it your daughter? My little boy, yes. I could hear a little voice in the background and I believe you're a single parent. And I just wondered whether there is um, any help for single mums-to-be, any groups that you could maybe uh, direct people to? Yeah, there's Gingerbread Charity, which gives you really good resources about um, what your rights are and what your support is. And there's sometimes like local groups for solo parents. But I think, and this is for every mum or birthing person, 
is that there's really good apps called Mush and Peanut. I say they're like they're like a non-seedy Tinder because <laughs> you put in like a few things about yourself, and then you can find <laughs> women in your area or birthing people in your area according to postcode, um, and put something about you, and then you can meet up with them. Um, obviously, right now it's it's probably virtual, but when we're allowed to go for a walk together again. Um, that was my saving grace because I moved from South London to North London for a while. So I had to meet women all over, you know, meet someone. And that was really good and helpful. And there's also really good support from like maternity action and then pregnant and screwed. They've got really good information about um, help and support because it, it can be difficult financially as well when it's just you paying for everything and thinking about having to go back to work if that's your decision. So there is support and resources out there for sure. Laura, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time and all your expertise on perinatal mental health care. Thank you. Back to Izzy Borton, our resident midwife. Izzy, thank you so much for introducing us to Laura Bridal. She's amazing and there was so much information there. Um, What are some of the signs that would help someone, uh, a friend of the family, a partner, a mother spot that maybe they are experiencing a form of postnatal depression? Yeah, so in the postnatal period, uh, you've obviously been through the the birth of your child, which is can be a bit of a roller coaster sometimes, and um, you're mm. you're then you have this tiny new newborn to care for, and lack of sleep is a really big component in those first few. Well, I was going to say weeks, but you know. <laughs> I'm sure it goes beyond that. But um, I think generally feeling kind of down, upset or tearful in yourself. Um, obviously, some of those emotions are normal, but a kind of persistent feeling of kind of lack of pleasure in doing things, feeling unable to relate to other people, feeling isolated, hopeless. These kind of feelings might be what are coming up. And, and with postnatal depression we know that it's when those feelings are persisting beyond just the first few days when there are lots of kind of hormonal changes happening so sometimes as well it can be almost in reaction to the baby so feeling like you're maybe not bonding with your baby straight away and having guilt around that and the reason why we are wanting to talk about it now during pregnancy you might think this isn't something that's going to affect me or I've never struggled with my mental health before, but we actually know that for a lot of women that develop postnatal depression, they they haven't necessarily struggled with their mental health in the past. And that's why it's really important to talk about it now um, and just to be able to recognise those signs and have those conversations with your, you know, birth partner or partner family close family friends that are going to be supporting you because normally it's those people in your life that are going to recognize when you're not yourself and you're not feeling well mentally it's also maybe worth mentioning at this point that although it's it's very rare there's also a severe mental illness that can occur in the postnatal period called postnatal psychosis or perinatal psychosis or postpartum psychosis, some of the different phrases that are used to define that. And this is really rare, but um, in about 50% of cases uh, where women have developed this condition postnatally, they haven't had any history of, of mental illness before. And, you know, signs and symptoms of postnatal psychosis do differ a little bit to postnatal depression there they're 
tend to be both ends of the spectrum so you might be having those feelings of kind of severe depression but also rapid mood changes feeling very excited or elated at times and kind of those changes between the two happening quite rapidly sometimes you may feel kind of confused or disorientated or restless and it's often characterized as well by not being able to sleep so even when you know someone's taken the baby and you've gone into the bedroom to try to get some sleep you're just feeling very um elated and wired yeah like not able to to relax um not able to get that sleep and so you know in occasion women will also have uh, kind of hallucinations and things like that so all of these things sound really scary I know and it's it's not you know I really believe that you know it's so much better for people to be informed about things and and that actually re- that removes some of the fear because for women that experience these mental illnesses after having a baby you know, one of the key things they're often feeling is real isolation and feeling like, what is happening to me? You know, has this ever happened to anyone else? And and kind of that feeling of really not knowing, you know, what's going on and and how to get help. And so I think just knowing that, that these are, you know, these are real illnesses that affect people and can be treated and there is so much help and support out there is really valuable. Thank you so much Izzy. Yeah it's a subject that you kind of don't necessarily think that you need to pay attention to when you're pregnant maybe you're having a lovely pregnancy and everything's kind of ignorance is bliss but I do think it's great to have these conversations now in preparation. Thank you so much to Izzy Borton and Laura Bridal for all your wisdom and information on mental health. Thank you so much for listening and I hope to be in your ears again very soon. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.